My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Six months in, and the pandemic's collided with business in ways that we could never have anticipated. Including today, where the Dow gained 160 points. Ah. S&P advanced 0.17%, but the Nasdaq dipped 0.34%. Sure, not everything's changed. We still care about the Federal Reserve. They know nothing! Just kidding. Or the president's speech tonight at Republican Convention. But the core question at the heart of this market is very simple. Do you think we can beat COVID-19 sometime soon? Or are you expecting it to plague us well into next year? That can be difficult to see because we still spend so much time focusing on stuff that mattered pre-COVID. For example, today we were obsessed with Fed Chief Jay Powell's big annual speech at Jackson Hole, now televised because of the pandemic. We parsed every word, and frankly, it wasn't worth parsing. Powell started his tenure as a prisoner of the... He was a prisoner of the flimsy orthodoxy, but these days he's gotten borderline revolutionary because he doesn't want to be the reason the economy falls apart. He's saying, forget the foolish ways of past 40 years plus years uh, of Fed cheese. Forget it. His goal is to help the economy, period, until the pandemic's licked. It's joyful. He's really smart and really good guy. Anyway, you might think there'd be a huge positive for the stock market. But you have to remember, that's a stock market. A lot. It's a lot like a supermarket. I mean, look, there are some aisles that we really want to go go to when the virus is raging. And there's others we want to go to when it's on the ropes. Because we don't really know when we'll beat this thing, I've been telling you to take a barbell approach to investing. A lot of people on Twitter have asked me what that is. It means in the age of COVID, you need some stocks from the recovery aisle and some stocks from the pandemic aisle, chiefly the tech companies that help us digitize seamlessly, rapidly, and with no cyber intrusions. Tonight, you'll be hearing from four companies that are all about revolutionizing computer equipment, retail, and the cloud to help businesses and people like you cope with the pandemic. The land grabs for Internet Mindshare continue to grab headlines, though. Today, we learned that Microsoft and Walmart want to team up to buy TikTok, the Chinese-owned video, sh- owned video sharing site that's become, I have to say, it's sadly a worldwide sensation. I mean, the average TikTok user is spending 50 minutes a day watching really silly videos. And many of those users are going to be future Walmart shoppers, and you can advertise there. So uh, they both, both, stocks are, both stocks liked it. But uh, don't forget the other end of the barbell, the side that powers higher when we got COVID on the run. The recovery plays uh, got a huge boost last night when Abbott Labs, ABT, announced a 15-minute COVID test with great reliability that you can take uh, basically to go to the drugstore, boom, you got it like that. Cutting out the labs that have been such a terrible bottleneck. And today we learned the president's buying 150 million of them. I think Abbott's come up with a game changer. I'm going to give you more on that one later because I've been really spending a huge amount of time on it. Beyond Abbott, the pin action sparked a rally in the recovery stock. So that's travel, leisure, and the financials roared because rapid-fire testing is essential to fully reopen the economy safely and to also cause uh, credit problems to drop, especially since Abbott's got an app that effectively vouches for your health if the test comes up negative. I, I got the app. I downloaded it. Just, it took me a few minutes to download. Um, it, it, it's not bad. It, it, it's called Navica, and I'm able to be able to tell you like this. I can wind to go on an airplane. I don't have COVID. Boom. Okay, the company says they can produce 50 million of these by October. Imagine what that means. If you, if you know your fellow passengers don't have the virus, you'd be a lot more willing to fly or book a cruise. Well, the euphoria laughed. 
it can last. Abbott can start selling them next week, though it will take some time before they can make a difference. Still, I see this as a major positive. However, I'm betting some of the changes from the past six months are going to be permanent. Uh, There are whole divisions of most enterprises that will never go back to normal. And it's not just the transition to the cloud. We found out that remote work is a lot more convenient and less expensive for your company than anyone thought. And there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. It's a winner. For all the focus on the sexy cloud-based software stocks, there's plenty of strength in old-school tech hardware, too. But you just need uh, to see it if you work at home. I mean, you know, for instance, consider, consider this. Uh, just look at HP Inc., Okay, the PC and printing business of the old Hewlett Packard, which reported an excellent quarter after the close today. Yep, HP delivered a six cent earnings beat off a 43 cent basis, much higher than expected sales and a blowout free cash flow number, which is important because they return a lot of money to you in dividends. While the printing business has taken a hit more enterprise focus, they're selling a ton of these. Uh, That's the stay at home thesis at work. Even better, management gave you a strong forecast. I think what's happening at HP can tell you a lot about the border economy, the stay-at-home economy, and also what the younger people really want, which I believe is light touchscreen PCs. Let's take a closer look with Enrique Loris. And Enrique is the, uh, he's the president and CEO of HP Inc. Find out more about the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Loris, welcome back to Man Money. Hi, Jim. Great to be with you today. Well, Enrique, I've got my unbelievable elite book, my HP SureView on my desk, which I love. It's a touch screen. It's fantastic. Great resolution. I'm sorry I'm a salesman for you, but maybe that's okay. And it would be ideal if I had to move to be at home to stay in touch with the office and do my work. Is this the kind of thing that made this quarter so great? Actually, as you said, we had a very strong quarter. We beat both revenue and EPS expectations, and PCs were a big part of it. We had a very strong quarter. Year on year, our revenue grow, grew 9% on constant currency. And so, you know, this quarter, we shipped 18 million PCs. We hit a record ever. We had never shipped so many PCs, and it was really driven by the demand we see for people working from home and learning from home. Now, do you think that this is here to stay, or does everybody who's going to be at home have a PC, and and now we're done? What we believe is that PCs have become essential. In the past, we were talking about one PC per home. Now we see the need to have one PC per person. So this is going to be driving demand that is going to be staying with us for a while. Okay, now you've always told me, look, we got to get printers to do better. We got to make more money in ink. How's How's that progressing? We are doing well on the, piece, on the print side. Similar to what we have seen on, on PCs, the demand for consumer printers and consumer supplies have been strong, have been even stronger than what we, it was before COVID. So we have really done well in that space. And on the commercial side, we have seen improvements through the quarter as the impact on the pandemic in many countries got smaller. Or no. How is it possible this could be better uh, than before the pandemic if I would have thought that a lot of those big commercial PCs are stuck in the office somewhere and we don't uh, 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 printers and we don't need the printers at home? That must not be true. Yeah, where we are seeing strong demand and where demand is stronger than before is in the home space in many different countries. We are seeing more people working from home, many more kids learning from home. And when you are doing that, you need to print and you need to print locally. Uh, this is it. really 
for us a long-term opportunity as well, as we expect this to continue going forward. Now, one of the things that's amazing that I saw in this quarter was that almost all every company I deal with canceled the buyback. They thought that, you know what, it's too dangerous. Your cash flow is so bountiful. You were in there in the market. Yes, we have. We deliver very strong cash flow. We also are confident about what is going to be our performance the next quarter. And this drove us to actually elevate the amount of buybacks that we have been doing. This quarter, we did $1 billion of buybacks. And what we have shared is that we expect to do this as a minimum the next quarter again. You're buying back a lot of your of your company. Now, one of the things that I know you're incredibly interested in that I, we got to talk about, people always talk about, well, we got to do more for minorities. We got to do more for women, whatever. But it's always the board that is at, that wants to either get the company to do one thing or another. And the boards, uh, for lack of a better term, look like they did in the 50s and 60s in a lot of places. Not yours. You care passionately about this issue. And in our case, it's not only the board, it's the whole company that cares about it. We have one of the most diverse companies in America, probably the most diverse company in the technology sector. But really, the whole company cares about it. It is part of our culture, and we really have a commitment to eliminate systemic racism. We are focused on that, and we are taking specific actions to drive that. Now, you have, uh, this is empirical, right? Now, you have demonstrated that when you do that, your company doesn't do worse, but it tends to do better. So we should all be pushing for that if we own stock. Actually, you're very, very right. We are doing that not only because it's good for the world, it's also good for our shareholders. Last year, our focus on sustainability drove more than $1.6 additional billion. It's a very significant number, and this is why for us this is so critical going forward. All right. Now, I know your company has also been very interested in healthcare, whether it be the, the devices that you make so that people can learn how to operate on a baby's heart or what you're doing with bioprinters for COVID-19. I'm pretty fascinating behind the scenes, but you should tell us. Yes. In, if you look at the technology that we have, in essence, we are a microfluidics company. What we know how to do better than anybody else is to manage liquids at micro scale. And this can be applied to many different industries. We have developed a specific system of printers that can be used for testing in bioenvironments, and we see this as a long-term opportunity for the company. All right, now, I just want to go back. I I happen to be very proud of my PC. I I love it. I I do not have a good back, and this is the lightest PC, which, believe me, if you are a millennial, if you're a a baby boomer, it matters more than we think. What's been the, the, uh, the reception for this, which this is a rather new one, the core set with 17. I mean, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. And it bends. I mean, I'm not kidding. I, I, this is what I use every minute. How's, how's it doing? So the reception has been very strong. And let me share with you, it's not only that the PC is light and has very strong performance. Also, the materials we use are sustainable, which is also something very critical for millennials. We are using ocean-bound plastic. Every material that we use, we check the sustainability, the impact it's going to have. And again, it's part of our sustainability strategy. Well, look, I love it. I know I went out and bought it. The IT department didn't want to support it. I said, the heck are you guys? I'm not, not for another it's for another company, not for this one. And I love it. I'm a big salesperson for you. I don't care. You're doing some fantastic things. I thank you so much for coming on. Enrico Loris, President and CEO of HP8. Congratulations, sir. Thank you, Jim. Great to see you. Great to see you. Okay. Uh, look, this is a very inexpensive stock with a very good yield. A lot of good things. Stay with Kramer. 
Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Cloud Kings, they keep knocking out of the park. Earlier this week, Salesforce reported a magnificent quarter sending stock into the stratosphere. Tonight, we got another great one, this time from Workday, which helps businesses automate all sorts of back office jobs, especially in human resources, also finance. company just reported a phenomenal quarter. 20% revenue growth, strong guidance, stock exploded higher. Can it keep running? Let's take a closer look with Anil Bushri. He's the co-founder and now once again co-CEO of Workday, who's decided to split the reins with Chado Fernandez. He's formerly the co-president. Now he's the co-CEO. Mr. Bushby, welcome back to Bad Money. Jim, how are you? Oh, good. Well, Neil, first of all, congratulations on an amazing quarter. More important, perhaps, congratulations for being the only software company I know that has a vision about how the year's going to be. I mean, you actually put out guidance, and the guidance was amazing. How do you get such surety in the midst of a pandemic and a recession? You know, I think it's a, it's a combination of a great sales team, great sales leadership, starting with Chano Fernandez, who is now our, our new co-CEO. And, you know, as what we've learned through the pandemic, that our applications, uh, HR, accounting, payroll, planning, they're mission critical. And so companies are moving forward with their decisions. And so we do have visibility into what the rest of the year looks like. Well, that's interesting because there was a piece that came out last week. I'm not going to embarrass the analyst, okay, because I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm Jimmy Chill. But the question was, and they started with a sell, which I think scared to death out of people, said that, that your business is not high priority, that large organizations are focused on other higher priorities. Uh, and it turned out that maybe your business is the highest priority because you had one of the greatest, greatest beats I've seen. How come human capital and financial have become at the top of the heap? Well, you know, dur- during the pandemic and, and with the social crisis upon us, I think everybody is focused on how do they take care of their employees? How do they reach out to their employees? Employees have become number one topic amongst CEOs uh, dur- during this crisis. And I think as a result, you want to be on the most modern, flexible, cloud-based HR system you can be in, and I think that's I think that's us. Humbly speaking, I think that's us. For finance, it's a similar story. We have our customers closing our books remotely without anybody in the office. We have people using our planning products uh, and and running thirty times the plans they were running a year ago uh, because the world is changing so rapidly, and so uh, the demand for our applications uh, really. Has you know has never been has never been stronger. I, I think the miss from some of the analysts is that they they try to tie us back to ERP, right? And we're not ERP. ERP we're two to three year implementation cycles. We're six to nine month implementation cycles. And I think that that's one of the reasons our business continues to do well. Uh, we can get customers up and live quickly. No, I don't want to burn the because I do want to talk about some customers in a second. But I, I am not familiar with Chano Fernandez, although I hope I will be as we probably meet on the street in San Francisco. But you uh, decided to share co-CEO uh, to what have be able to do a different kind of vision than what you were doing before. What, what, what's the change here? Well, so if you go back uh, eight or nine years, Dave Duffield and sure. I were co-CEOs, my co-founder, you know, my one of my closest friends on the planet and my mentor, 
And we had a great run together. And, uh, and I think Workday was one of the first companies to embrace that co-CEO model. And candidly, the job's gotten big. I've been in it almost 10 years, and I really needed a partner. The company needed me to have a partner for this next leg of growth. And there's nobody better than Chano. He's an amazing human being. He lives our values. Uh, and, you know, during the pandemic, I hate to use the expression of a wartime leader, but he's a wartime leader. He had 100% uh, composure, uh, just figured out how to run the business differently during the last six months. And the results that uh, we're able to share today are largely the doing of, of him and his team. And so it's just a natural time. We were always thinking about succession. So I, I couldn't be more thrilled. It allows me to focus on, on uh, the areas that, frankly, I'm better at, products and technology. John is a much better operating executive than I'll ever be. All right. Well, one of the things you got to explain how he does, if you were here, you would tell us, but how do you close a big account like Comerica? How do you close an account like the state of Oklahoma via Zoom? I mean, these are things in you. I would expect they would have to go to Workday Rising. You'd have to go out to dinner with them 10 times. They'd have to see you. You go out there. They go here, plane, plane, plane. No, you're able to do this? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't have guessed that before COVID either. I thought we needed to do so much in person, and it's turned out that uh, uh, really two things benefit us. Number one, a very happy set of customers. So these customers like the state of Oklahoma or Comerica, they can call other customers and they can get strong reviews of what Workday does. And we're totally open book about our references and, and our customers. And then the second thing is we just have amazing employees who've made it work and figured it out and have been able to build relationships and move sales processes uh, over Zoom. Now, and, one uh, of the, you know, thank what, you, Zoom. One of the things that I know is amazing to me that you can do these, this business. You do a great university business, but the universities of this country are in disarray. So you did this number without... I presume, winning a lot of university business. That's, that's true. Uh, and I care deeply about the universities. The, the small and medium-sized universities are challenged financially right now. Even some of the bigger ones are. So there, there wasn't a, a huge amount of higher education. But the larger institutions are still moving forward. You know, I think if, if there's anything that I take away from the last two quarters is that the movement to the cloud is, is going forward unabated. And in many cases... Frankly, uh, especially with the big retailer that we landed, uh, who, was, who was not on Workday, they were struggling with their on-premise applications, and moving to the cloud was a way for them to deal with this environment. And so I think even large universities and, and organizations are moving forward because they know they need to be in the cloud. All right, so I know there is a, it's a high V giant uh, supermarket chain, Midwest. I would not have accepted, I would not have thought that a company like that, which probably you know, probably does have to go against Kroger probably, and obviously Costco and, more, and Walmart, these guys don't have a choice anymore, right? I mean, the big, guy, the big guys are everywhere, and they cannot just do it the way they used to do. I, I believe so. And uh, the other ones that, you know, uh, Walmart, uh, uh, Home, uh, Home Depot, uh, Whole Foods, Lowe's, Kroger's, they're all Workday customers. And I think they've all embraced, you know, Target, they've all embraced what, what you can do with the cloud, the agility, the flexibility. And that's what you need today. And then when the world's changing so rapidly, you need to figure out how to, how to adapt to, you know, curbside pickup. You need to adapt to a lot more, a lot more online ordering. And so you need a flexible HR and finance system in your back end. Now, I know you couldn't mention the name, and I always feel bad because it's, but you said you added one of the largest U.S. telecommunications service companies. I mentioned this because there are other companies in your sector 
who are off, who compete with you, who often tell me that you're losing this, these businesses left and right. But you have a chart which shows me the ones you have, and they're all the ones that I, I was told you lost. So how did you get the big telecommunications business? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think some of our competitors will talk about wins, but they're not necessarily wins. They're more hold on to the legacy technologies that they're on. And then when these large companies actually truly want to move into the cloud and, and get these next generation systems, that's where the competition really happens. And that's, I hopefully think that's where we shine. Well, and, uh, you know, we have the proof points. We have over 95% customer satisfaction. We have employees that care deeply about taking care of customers. You know, we're all about customers right now. I'm so proud of what our customers are doing today. We have so many of them on the front lines during this pandemic. They're amazing. They have, they have the essential workers and our job is to support them. And I think what our existing customers will tell prospective customers, hey, Workday really does take care of us. They, right. they, they care about us. They will do the right thing. Well, you turned out to be much more essential than a lot of Wall Street may have thought <laughs> 15 minutes ago. Congratulations to Chana Fernandez for being co-CEO. Congratulations for an amazing quarter, Neil. I actually felt you would do it, but I didn't know it would be this good. Great to see you, sir. Uh, thank you, Jim. Good to see you. Okay, that's Anil Bushby, co-CEO of Workday, which is a company you know I've liked forever, and it certainly deserves that like. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to talk to the CEOs of, of Williams-Sonoma and of Splunk. Stay with Kramer. What the heck just happened to the stock of Williams-Sonoma, the home goods retailer that's been a, just a horse, and the stock was off 8% today? Well, wait a second. This is a retailer that's been thriving during the pandemic, thanks to its terrific digital presence and the bull market and all things housing-related. Last night, Williams-Sonoma reported a very strong quarter, a modest sales beat translated into a gigantic earnings beat, $1.85 per share, when the analysts were only looking for a little more than a buck. That's more than twice what they made in the same quarter last year. So why did the stock roll over? Oh, come on. Well, management doesn't want to give forward guidance. Who can blame them? Situation's uncertain. The quarter wasn't totally perfect. West Elm, not as strong as I thought it would be. We'll find out why. But really, this is why it didn't go up. It's because it's been one of the hottest stocks in the entire market. It is still up 250% from its March lows. And that's why I'm not sweating things out. That's why I think it's a buying opportunity. Let's take a closer look with Laura Albert, the bankable president and CEO of Williams-Sonoma. Get a clearer read on these results and her company's prospects. Ms. Albert, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so, Laura, this was an amazing quarter. Highest quarterly net comparable stores in 10 years. You are more relevant than I have ever seen your company. Design-led, sustainable products. Can this continue because it was such a blowout? You know, we, we did. We had an exceptional quarter with double-digit top-line growth, record profitability. And as you said, these results reinforce the relevance of our design-led sustainable products, our trusted brands, and the power of our digital-first platform. Um, In addition to all those things, we're equally proud of the way we're doing business in these difficult times, taking care of all of our stakeholders. Because our values in sustainability, equality, community involvement, and people are driving our results. And our results are allowing us to make even more positive change. And we believe that virtuous cycle, as well as a very strong product roadmap and the profit flip as we push further into e-commerce, is going to continue to yield high growth 
and increasing profitability. Well, let's talk about the continued uh, e-commerce. Your company has uh, more e-commerce as a percentage of its business than any other retailer. Uh, Did you back into it? I mean, I know that you have a tremendous vision, but it did turn out to be that even in your conference call, you had to say, hey, wait, there's still there's still some relevance to brick and mortar. You're the only company that's able to say that. Yeah, well, clearly we are ahead of our targets. I can't say that we saw this coming to the extent that it did as a you know, as a as a respect to e-commerce as a percent to a total sales. But e-commerce where has always been where we believed our growth would come from. And our results show that our powerful digital first platform has a lot of capacity to meet these customers demand online. That said, our stores are a competitive advantage to our digital first model. It's not minus stores, it's plus stores. And they play an important role in differentiating our offerings to the customer. They're experiential, they offer customers the convenience of also omni-channel services, which you can't not remember. You have to remember that if you don't have stores, you can't do those things like buy online, pick up the store, buy online, ship to store, and use stores as many DCs. And we are going to continue to invest in our stores. We're going to have fewer but better stores. At the same time, we have, you know, over the next three years, 50% of our leases coming up for renewal. Puts us in a very, very strong position. And we've raised the bar on profitability, and we're going to keep the stores that are relevant in great centers and where the deals make sense. Now, I think people have to understand that when you say that we're in a great position, you're, you can get out of stores that you don't want to be in, but you're also a premier client. You're solvent. You can probably get better deals. I imagine with some of these malls, you actually are going to have your gross margins expand when these leases come up. Well, thank you for saying that. It's true. It's easy to say. But let, let me ask you, people were hung up on tariffs. That China, they're hung up on freight companies having surcharges. Aren't these just minor things that as a, you have a great CFO, but I think she felt compelled to say these things. But that's not really the narrative that controls you. Yeah, those are short-term headwinds. We always have something, you know, whether it's a tariff or remember the port strike, There's, you know. Right. I'll tell you, I mean, this pandemic and what's going on in the world is the hardest challenge that anyone's ever come against, and you see our results. And what I think, you know, there's a lot of things special about our company, but the agility and the strength of this team that delivered and continues to deliver these numbers and find ways to be first in solving the problem, that's the thing that's really, really hard to replicate. And we have a profile, as I said, you mentioned it, the occupancy leverage. Mm -hmm. We're seeing, you know, really a strong um, path in many of our core brands, I'd say all of our core brands, we see a resurgence in Williams-Sonoma and a push to e-commerce in Williams-Sonoma. And then you have these cross-brand opportunities. So cross-brand opportunities are a huge unlock. You know, a couple of years ago, no one even thought that it was good to think that way. Right. But now they're at the center of our strategy. So whether it's our key loyalty program, which you know is free, mm-hmm. you can earn points here, burn points everywhere. That's growing, even in the pandemic. And there's a lot of runway there because most customers still only shop one brand. So imagine as we get them to shop multiple brands, how much more there is there. We have B2B. You know, again, cross-brand. Who else can furnish the whole thing? Soup right. to nuts. Right. Well, right? They also, the, the thing that I love was that 
you know, people have always been talking about work from home, but how about study from home? You got to, the yeah. kids now want an office. The kids who are going to college that aren't going to college want an office, and you're the only one who offers that right furniture. Yeah, we, we, we saw that coming. So we've really doubled down our assortments. We have a lot of great offer there, and you're going to continue to see more. Well, look, it's a pleasure to see you. It is the toughest time, but you've navigated. You're well ahead of every other retailer in terms of percentage of e-com, and it's just an exciting place to shop. I didn't even get to West Elm. That's okay. Plenty of other things I know was right to talk about. Laura Albert, CEO of Williams-Sonoma, great to see you. The stock should have been down, but it was up so, so much. And, you know, I got to tell you, when you look at retailers that understand the new world, and CEOs who understand the new world, you just you just saw the best one. Stay with Craig. When it comes to earnings, the headlines really don't tell you everything. Consider the case of Splunk, the software analytics play that's one of our original cloud kings. Last night, Splunk reported a seemingly disappointing quarter, weaker than expected sales, down 5% year-over-year, in-line loss. But the analysts rushed to raise the price target, so you can outright upgrade the stock. Why? Because when you drill down, oh, lot to like here. See, Splunk's in the middle of a transition. For the last few years, they've been trying to become more of a software-as-a-service play, with an increased emphasis on recurring revenue rather than one-off sales. Now, we've seen this story before. We saw it with Adobe. Man, it was fantastic. It makes a ton of sense to do this, but it's almost always a bumpy ride because it's expensive and you're trading short-term revenue to establish a long-term revenue stream, which is what we want, man, money. And in terms of that transition, we got some very good news here. Splunk's cloud business now represents more than half of their total software bookings. Annualized recurring revenue was up 50%. Cloud uh, recurring revenue spiked almost 90%. Short these moves are paying off, and that's why the stock rallied nearly 130% from its March lows. I think it might have gone higher today if not for the rotation out of the cloud place into the recovery names. I think that reverses tomorrow. I like this one into weakness. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Doug Murray. He's the president and CEO of Splunk. to get a better sense of the quarter. Mr. Murray, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. So good to be back on the show. I just wish it was in person. Oh, I wish it was in me person. too. And you always come with such joy and energy. We'll try to do it remotely. <laughs> uh, we all, we've been seeing a lot of school districts uh, have to go remote. They really are about education. They're not about technology. So when the third largest school district in this country has to go remote, they call you. Why? Uh, it's, uh, it has been an absolute honor to be able to partner with so many uh, educational institutions, including higher education across the country. It's been a key sector of ours for years. Um, and to see what they've had to deal with over the past five, six months, uh, I can't, it, it's unimaginable the amount of challenge that, that they have to move hundreds of thousands of students to millions of students and tens of thousands of teachers online overnight and try not to miss a beat. Um, it's hard for any organization, as you said, uh, school districts are often a little bit thin on the IT support. Right. Uh, so uh, to be able to partner with Chicago, Chicago Public Schools, um, enable them to make that rapid pivot in spring, but then to continue to partner with them and ensure that uh, they're prepared for whatever comes in, in their way uh, in fall, full remote, partial remote, uh, you know, God willing, we'll be able to actually get back to, to true fiscal school at some point in time. Uh, but they turn to us to make sure that the uh, connections are secure, that there are no breaches, um, and that the fidelity and uh, actual delivery occurs. Um, it's interesting, within the data, you can also start to look into things like learning efficacy of, of the students and uh, professor capability on delivery. Uh, so it, it becomes a very 360 view of the student and teacher experience that, that dramatically helps these educational institutions. So it, it's possible that the pandemic is going to produce 
a better way to teach kids because we have analytics that you are able to distill and figure out. Absolutely. As, as negative and crazy and turbulent as these months are, there is so much opportunity being created to reimagine businesses in ways that we've played with forever. Remote learning, right. not new. Telemedicine, telehealth, not new. Remote work, not new. Just people are resistant. Change is not the natural behavior for most humans. Um, and there is so much benefit that we can get by accelerating these trends and then intermixing them with the physical world that we all know that we need to inhabit again at some point in time. One of the things I've always loved about Splunk and admired is, is that you're not just a, a company that, that does analysis. You also do, as you mentioned, cybersecurity. And this move to the cloud, obviously, we love. But I saw that you represent the, one of the best healthcare systems in the world, Mark, Yale New Haven Health. And I'm thinking, I know Yale, they're doing studies right now and they're doing proprietary things. And I know one of the ones that they're doing so well on for rapid testing for COVID. I, I could see how their stuff could be stolen very easily by a country that may not want to pay its fair share. And they fired Splunk to be sure that that doesn't happen. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, the interesting thing about uh, Yale uh, is they actually got their taste of Splunk that got them excited with our remote work package. Uh, it was a package that we literally developed in days as we had to move our entire employee base remote like everybody else did in early March. Um, then we put it online for everybody else to use. So their, their first real playing with Splunk was, all right, so what does this look like as far as delivering high-quality uh, education and communications when we're all remote? Uh, and then because of that, they became a security customer as well. Um, interestingly, in the Illinois system, uh, we're actually helping them directly with um, some of this incredible testing work and therapy work they're doing. Um, but the analytics for that project, as well as the security and IT resiliency. Um, so the multiple use capability of Splunk is, is really an astounding uh, capability of the company. Well, I love it when, uh, inst when institutions of higher learning and health choose you. They need help. But one of the smartest guys we've had on our show, and we had him on a couple of times, and they're brilliant, are the, At the uh, Atlassian guys. And they chose you. So, in other words, people who understand software better than anybody still said, we got to use Splunk. How did you get that account? Yeah, they are. It's an incredible company. And they have been a, a customer for a long time period. And they, like us, have gone through this whole uh, cloud transition. So there's a lot we've been learning from uh, their development team and, and the company as a whole. Um, they've been using us for cybersecurity for at least five years now um, and are a massive user, hundreds of terabytes of data per day. Uh, the big expansion was... Uh, the interrogation and assurance delivery of their cloud solutions, and the move into observability, one of our big, big investment areas. How do you help developers that now are working with uh, an environment that is not static? It is completely mm -hmm. ephemeral, um, and they still need super high fidelity and integrity and understanding, is this code high quality? Did I do a good code push? Did something blow up? Where did it blow up? Uh, and now you're talking, again, about hundreds of terabytes to petabytes of data that you've got to stream on a consistent basis and never lose a bit and interrogate and be able to pull out every single metric without any sampling. And we are the only solution in the world that could actually handle the scale, volume, and capability that someone is demanding as Atlassian drives. And you'll see that across other leading edge organizations, the top payment processors, the top web properties, the top e-tailers, all are turning to Splunk for our observability suite because we are there arm in arm with their development teams to make sure that this critical code, that's much more critical now than ever because it's all virtual, 
that is high quality and secure. Well, look, you've just done a fabulous job. We've been behind you every step of the way. And now that you're about going to be switching to more cloud, people are going to realize, holy cow, the numbers are much stronger. We, when Adobe cost 50%, we said go all in. And then the next, you know, you got a quadruple. I think you're doing terrific, Doug. You are, I got to congratulate you. You're in a very tough environment. Great numbers. Good to see you, sir. Thank you so much, Jim. Great to be on the show. It's Doug Murray, President and CEO of Splunk. You got a good chance here. You see, Splunk stock should have been up today. And I bet it will be up tomorrow. We have money's back in the It is time. It's time for the lightning. And then the lightning rounds are, are you ready? Ski daddy, time for the lightning round. Let's start with Jeff in Massachusetts. Jeff. Hey, Jim, how are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Quick shout out to Uncle Dave on the Cape. Uh, Love Uncle Dave. I'm a long-time subscriber. Thank you. My question is Generac Holdings. Everyone's working from home. We're entering storm yeah, The stock season. is up huge, but it's still not too late because our power grid is failing so badly in this country that Generac is the answer. And everybody, I mean, I know i got to get one. My next door neighbor has one. Everybody's got a Generac in here because why our power keeps going down. Tom in Pennsylvania. Tom. Hey, Jim. Booyah from Indiana, PA. Oh, I know that area well. What's going on? Good hunting. Uh, Christmas tree capital of the world. That's right. Mr. Gould had one there. What's up? <laughs> Home of Jimmy Stewart. First place. I, I'm uh, calling about energy transfer. What do no, you think? No, no, no. That balance sheet is from hell. I mean, you know, it, look, it was at a growth business. Okay, but no, no. He got. He can't even. I don't even know how he fixes that balance sheet. Let's just skip that one. I uh, stick with the Christmas trees. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. Jim, the company I got for you, their CEO is Rob Roy. Uh, they claim to have over 500 patents, either registered or pending, that gives his company a uh, proprietary edge. Uh, the ticker symbol is SWCH. The name of the company is Switch. Switch, and it's good. I appreciate your thoughts. It's good. I mean, you know, they didn't blow the numbers away, but it's just a good, steady business. I was going to counter with uh, Veritiv, which is the one that, uh, that, that that Dave Cody runs, but I like yours. I like yours. I think it's good. Let's go to David in California. David. Mr. Kramer, from one attorney to another, it's an honor and a pleasure, sir. Well, one day I may have to practice. I got someone in my neighborhood that's really giving me a hard time. What's up? <laughs> well, you don't deserve that. Um, yeah, I... No kidding. We can be trying. Now, I'm gonna... Never mind. I'm Jimmy Joe. What's up? Uh, well, if you ever need my help, you know where to reach me. Um, I've had a, a, a group of uh, stocks that I really enjoy. I've, I've success with Amazon yesterday. Fortunately, I picked up Salesforce. Uh, First Horizons, I've had Johnson & Johnson and Lowe's. But at the end of July, I picked up Centene. And uh, it's just been a disaster. No, no. Come on, Michael Neidorf's pretty good. Look, I mean, it's a political year. All the stocks. I mean, United United Health has cooled off. And uh, and CBS owns Edna, and that's been a disaster. So let's just give Michael a little more time. You know, you got a court suit coming up. The Supreme Court's making a decision. You got the election. And so, uh, but I think Michael's good to go. I don't want you to. Uh, I don't want you to leave that one. I don't want you. Uh, thank you for the kind words, Ellen in Florida. Ellen, hi Jim. 
Thank you for ActionAlertsPlus.com, and thank you for the match. Oh, thank you. ActionAlerts, we've had some good ones lately. People have been sent very kind to me. Thank you. What's up? Thank you. I'm calling about Cisco Systems. I've had it for years, cost base is 16. Wow. I've heard you call it one of the dogs of the Dow. So sell the whole position or hold on to some? Yeah, look, it's, it's just not their moment. Um, but Chuck came on and told a story that says it's not going to be instant. In the meantime, you got that good yield, got good balance sheet. They're switching to a much more software-defined business. I think you're fine. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. The president sets the agenda for fighting COVID-19, and for months that agenda really had one item. It's the vaccine. White House never cared for masks. Too wimpy. Contact tracing, too invasive. Social distancing, too disruptive. Instead, we had Operation Warp Speed with the goal of getting people immunized as fast as possible. Until today, finally, the president is embracing massive testing the way it should be. Abbott Labs just got approval for a revolutionary instant COVID test. And earlier today, Trump announced that we're buying 150 million of them from Abbott. What makes this so important? Because it'll be months and months before we get a vaccine. The clinical trial process just takes as long as it takes. Until we get there, we need something that stops the spread. And rapid testing makes that much, much easier. We now have that, too. So thank you, Abbott Labs. For months, I've been pushing for all these boring mitigation measures. I set up a million-dollar mask challenge designed to something that's more enticing for people to actually wear. Been a demon for testing because as unsexy as it is, uh, we can't stop this virus unless we know who has it. Unfortunately, testing has been a total joke in this country. The problem is the turnaround time. We're doing more than a half million tests per day. That's good, but very few of them matter because it takes too darn long to process the results. See, we put our fate in the hands of an oligopoly, the lab industry, and the two big laboratory chains have been overwhelmed from day one. There's not much point in getting tested if it takes a week to get the results. And I know some of you have gotten them back earlier. Give me a break. Take a listen. Two, three, five, seven days, which is why I'm so excited about this new test from Abbott. 15-minute test that you'll be able to buy from a ready clinic, a mini clinic in a couple of weeks. And they're scaling up fast. By October, Abbott plans to be making 50 million of these test kits per month. Look, they could end up making billions. You have a light nose swab, not that sharp jab with 12 seconds they put near your brain. Swabs results are put on a little card, like a credit card. Tells you whether or not you have it in 15 minutes or less. Roughly 98% reliable when you consider both false positives and false negatives. Much better than any other instant test that's been tried. It gets better. See, there's an app. It's called Navica. You can get it at the Apple Store, which takes your test results, puts them in your cell phone with a QR code for the day. That's how we get back to normal without a vaccine. You take the test, only costs five bucks, and if it comes up negative, that QR code gets you into a game or school or a concert or a flight or a cruise. Notice every one of those stocks went up today. I've already downloaded the darn thing in preparation for my own testing. We're in control now, not the overwhelmed labs. They could be out. Mm, They'll hang on somehow, but you know what I mean. How much better is it to have this? And that's why Abbott stock was up nearly 8% today. Some people are skeptical. They feel so burned on everything involving this virus, they can't bring themselves to believe we've got a breakthrough on our hands. And they'll assume it's all hype. I think that's too cynical. I think it's wrong. Until we get a vaccine, we need a combined arms approach to COVID. That means wearing masks, social distancing, and rapid testing so that people who are sick can self-quarantine. This new test from Abbott may not be a silver bullet, but it's a powerful new weapon in our arsenal. 
Now, this isn't mad public health. It's mad money. So how do you play it? Well, don't overthink things. You know, I never like to do that. Abbott's got more room to run. This is going to go global quickly, and there aren't many gating factors that would keep them from producing billions of these tests. Plus, they also have an amazing diabetes franchise, not even tapped yet. It means they've got a powerful new franchise on top of the diabetes franchise that's not baked into the numbers. Plus, judging from the incredible declines in lab stocks today and lab equipment names, there's clearly more market capitalization. Go to Abbott. So I say you should buy Abbott stock even up here and be glad the president's finally approaching testing with the same attitude he's had to all those elusive vaccine candidates. Jaden in Michigan. Jaden. Jim, it's Ryan, Jaden's father. He's 11 years old and he watches your show every single day. Here's Jaden. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Jaden, I'm glad you're in on the show. What's going on? I've been trading since March with my dad, and I, wa- I watched your show when the CEO of Sorrento Therapeutics was on, and it got me interested in the company. I bought it at $8, and it went up to 19 and it has pulled back a lot. What are your thoughts on Sorrento Therapeutics? Jaden, did you take any off the table when it doubled? Uh, Jaden didn't take any off the table when it doubled. Um, well, that's why I say you got to be... Ringing that register when you get those moves because now Sorrento's got it's up against Abbott. And while Sorrento's doing a lot of good things and has a lot of special things going on away from Abbott, um, there's nobody that's going to be able to touch Abbott's uh, instant rapid test. Abbott's too big and too powerful and too good. All right, but that's great that he's 11 years old. He's got his whole life ahead of him, be able to make some mistakes, be able to make some, find some good ones. Maybe he's got the next fang lined up. The agenda has changed, people. Uh, when it comes to COVID, at least, the approach to testing has changed, too. I want you to buy the stock of Abbott Labs, even, yes, up 8%, and stick with Kramer. You know, sometimes you get an opportunity, and it's just kind of curious that it even comes your way. Williams-Sonoma had an amazing quarter. The stock shouldn't even been down, but it's up so much. Opportunity. Splunk. It was an incredible quarter, but people rotated out of that group. Amazing opportunity. I think both of those companies are fantastic. Retail and cloud. HP, very good for income. And, you know, Workday, look, it's just, it's up 30 last I walk. I like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you next time.